Welcome to Camp Career, where we help you pitch a tent over your dreams and ditch the excuses. It's really like one big campfire for career builders. Hey, hey, this is our second episode. My name is Kendra Stanton Lee. I run my own copywriting practice where I help folks with writing resumes, cover letters, bios, you name it. And I'm Ife Alaure. I'm a talent acquisition strategist based in Sacramento, California. I focus on leadership searches in the healthcare arena, and I get excited about conversations on diversity, inclusion, and the perception of millennials in the workplace. And I'm so lucky to call you my co-counselor, Ife. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm sitting in a uh, sound tight closet, hoping to uh, be able to focus on the excitement for today. We got a lot to talk about. So it's I'm true. Excited to jump in. Gnarly dude, I heard that you were up at Tahoe. Is that right? I was. First trip to Tahoe. It was eye opening. It was yeah. a little terrifying as we were driving up. It was really challenging because the visibility was low. It was raining. And there's one point where you open up the road to just this great expanse of mountain. <laughs> and someone thought it was wise to take away all the guardrails uh, driving in that area. So it was challenging, but it was beautiful. I can't, I, I mean, it was one of the most beautiful drives I've done in a long time. We stayed at a really cool little small niche hotel <laughs> boutique if you will mm -hmm. boutique it was very boutique had some of the greatest italian food i've had in a long time shout out to scusa italian shout out to scusa carbs for the win feel totally free to sponsor us with all your <laughs> carby goodness always always well the reason i am also glad you went up to tahoe ife is because I bet that netted you some very important field notes of what it is to camp. I mean, you were probably scoping out people with their coolers, their trailers. I, I can only imagine. Oh, fleece. A lot of fleece. Polar fleece, active wear. A lot of jackets facing north, if you, if you, if you, catch, <laughs> if you catch my drift. A lot of mugs and Uggs and smiling faces. <laughs> Was, yes, it was very eye-opening, and it was great for research purposes. Well, good. I'm glad you were brave enough to stare down the lack of guardrails and seek the great outdoors, uh, all in the name of Camp Career. Now that we're, we're good and hydrated, and uh, we've got our Uggs and Mugs all aplenty, I think it's time for our favorite moment at camp. You guessed it. Let's raise the flag. Oh, yeah. So at flag raising, we talk about what's good around the neighborhood, what we've been reading, anything camp related that is positive. So I'm going to kick it to you because I just have a brief little footnote for my flag raise. So what y'all will find with me is I'm typically going to talk about a book that I'm reading or a podcast that I'm listening to or even possibly a book that I'm listening to um, mm -hmm. on my favorite audiobook app. But 
right now, I did want to talk about a very specific book that I'm rereading. I've read it about three times now. It's called Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. It is a great self-check book. I, I mean, oh, this, yeah. this book is, you know, you have self-help books and then you have self-check books. And this book is a great self-check. It really talks about how, you know, personal ego is at the center of almost every downfall in history. Mm. From uh, Howard Hughes to, the, he gives examples of some military generals, even himself as a very successful motivational speaker, writer, communicator, just talks about how when you focus on yourself and you lose sight on, on the greater big picture and your purpose, it's it's a very easy slope to go down uh, towards the path of destruction. So it's a really great book. I would recommend you checking it out. He actually is, he does the Audible himself. So if you if you if you subscribe to Audible or anything like that, I would recommend checking it out. Again, that's Ego is the Enemy. It's a great book. Cool. I I'm with you. I love it when the author that penned it is also the reader because you just you know what their intent was. Yeah. And um, they're you know, animated. Kevin Hart reads his book. Uh, um, I can't make this up. I'm trying to remember what his book yeah. is. And it's it's like listening to a nine and a half hour stand-up special <laughs> because all the interjections and punctuation sound so right coming from the heart himself. The one and the only uh, Kev as, yeah. as, yeah. as, um, <laughs> as um, what is his pet name for Barack Obama? Um, <laughs> um, B Boogie, I believe. B, B, Bo- B Boogs. <laughs> um, well, that's a great recommendation. I, for one, will probably not be checking it out because I have no problem whatsoever with my ego. It never, it never causes me to stumble. I never, I never am bumping into myself being in my own way. It may be every man's battle, but it's not this woman's battle. So um, I'm pleased to say that (laughs) the flag that this feminist wants to raise today is about a webinar. And I'm not going to specify this webinar, but it was specifically about finding a job in higher education. And I have a gal pal of mine who's on the lookout. So I began to listen to this webinar and I could tell that it was very information rich, which is what you want in a webinar, because let's be honest, most of us are living, we're listening to webinars while on our sneaky little lunch break, or maybe while we are uh, texting with our mom, or we're multitasking, right? Yeah. Oftentimes when we're webinaring. And the man's voice who is narrating it was so soothing <laughs> that I found myself, it was like, oh, can you just narrate the rest of my life? Because it was just... Uh, It was like caressing my ears. And so therefore I gained no information (laughs) because he was basically ASMRing me. Do you know ASMR? I don't know. Tell me what is, what is ASMR? It's, it's like the sensation you get from somebody kind of whispering in your ear or like when you get a haircut and they kind of massage your head. It's like as if somebody were doing that with their voice, just giving you tingles up and down your neck. Um, there's there's an this American Life podcast all about ASMR. 
and I am one who like sensitive to ASMR. Mm. So I was just getting tingles up and down. So I'm going to go ahead and raise my flag to that because although it was not the information that I wanted, it gave me a lot of pleasure to listen to that uh, webinar for like the whole five minutes that I was not yet asleep. The webinar was not the webinar that you wanted, but it was a <laughs> webinar that you deserved. Boom. <laughs> anyway. So now that we've got the flag hoisted high here at Camp Career, um, we're going to do a quick uh, craft slash activity, which is to take a gander over to our message board. We had a little open call this week to talk about bad jobs. And I was really pleased with some of the feedback that we got. So I'm going to kind of, if it's okay with you, Counselor Ife, I'm going to kind of lump the campfire with the mail call, with the um, craft slash activity chore doing, because I think we've got a lot of good fodder that will be helpful to our listeners about why bad jobs are not necessarily always bad jobs in the long term. Fair enough? I can dig it. Okay. So the question we asked was, what have you learned from a quote-unquote bad job that made it a not-so-bad experience? So I guess I'm, I'm just interested, before we dive in, um, can you think of a bad job that you had where it was like you went in with your eyes wide open, like this is going to be the worst? So, yeah, I would have to think back to my first job. Okay. I, th- be- I think most of us probably, like, we have to reach way, way, way back into the archives for, like, the truly, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel bad job. But um, I'm, one that comes to mind for me, and this is like a party trick, like, people yeah. beg to hear about this job is I was a traffic surveyor for Cuyahoga County, uh, which is the (laughs) county that Cleveland is in. And that was one full summer of my life spent counting cars as they passed through intersections. And to this day, if like a, if a, if a red light is, it seems a little bit too short in Cuyahoga County, you could probably blame a young Kendra Stanton who was much more interested in like playing a game of solitaire than (laughs) uh, counting cars but it paid really well and I had the best suntan of my entire life so bad job slash kind of good job so okay along those lines I think my first bad job was actually in college I had recently moved from Nigeria after graduating from high school, and my parents had blessed me with the opportunity to be financially independent, Mm -hmm. which means that they were not sending me any money. Yep, cutting the apron strings. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I got a job on campus. It's the most coveted position in the entire university. That's right. You guessed it. I worked in the cafeteria. Hair nets. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was exciting about this job was not only, not only was I waking up at five o'clock in the morning to oh. go and chop onions. Mercy. 
But I got to finish out the day scraping breakfast plates. So think gravy, biscuits that have probably been cooked a little bit too long. Just for you. Um, You know, mass produced eggs, which happens to be my favorite food group. Not going to lie. That's actually a real thing. (laughs) But, you know, I used to do that from 5 a.m. until right about 9 o'clock every morning. Oh, wow. And then I luckily scheduled my first class at 9.30. So that's right. Ife would run from the cafeteria right to class, smelling like the most delicious sweet onions in the world. (laughs) Rolling in. I'm not crying. You are crying. Yes. And that is definitely not me in terms of the odor that is uh, permeating through the room. And... (laughs) It was a it was a bad job just because of the logistics of it. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed it because some of the other people who were in there suffering with me were very vocal about their suffering. <laughs> and it was it was always just just so refreshing to hear people who had a choice about work and who had decided to work in the cafeteria mm. complaining about working in the cafeteria and the choice that they made. Now mind you any one of us could have quit at any point in time. Right. But I had to learn about priorities, right? I had to learn about, you know, do I want to be able to pay my Boost Mobile bill? Shout out to Boost Mobile. Uh, and, or did I want to sleep in an extra hour and a half, two hours or three hours, depending on how late I wanted to end up or roll into class. So yeah. that, was a, that was a challenging job. Maybe not bad, but it was definitely challenging. But it taught me a little bit about discipline taught me a little bit about uh, the need to uh, wash your hands with toothpaste if you've been cutting onions. Pro tip. Pro tip, pro tip, pro tip, pro tip. So yeah, that's me. Hey, that's great. And and I would have to imagine that you, if you had any friends that year, obviously you did, but like you knew they were your real friends, you know, because you were just probably eking out onions all day long. So if they were going to choose to be your friend, like they're the real deal. So Aces, I appreciate my that. day ones, my day one Your day oneers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was rough. I only held that job for three months. So <laughs> um, shout out to perseverance. Well, thanks, man. But it was really cool, actually. I mean, just speaking of that, it was really interesting. You know, reading the community board, but they were just saying that they didn't want to classify this as a bad job. Mm-hmm. But they were talking about the service industry, waiting tables. Yep. You know, talking about how physically demanding, mentally challenging it was. Just, I have so much re- respect for people who who do that work because, on the one hand, you have to be a, a licensed counselor, listening to people's issues. Mm-hmm. You have to be a financial expert, knowing how to. <laughs> Uh, calculate what is what you have to be a memory expert reminding people that no they did not ask for extra bacon uh, but uh, you are more than happy to get it for them at no additional cost right I, I think I think you know being a waitress being a waiter just working in the service industry is it's a challenging job but there's a lot to be learned from it that can translate to other roles absolutely so the the individual that you're referencing who talked about her respect for the service industry. It was actually my college advisor. So she's a PhD in history, a truly impressive individual, but so kind. You know, it always blows me away how academics can be super smart and super cool. Like it just doesn't seem fair that the universe would gift them um, so much intellect, but so much social relevance too. Yeah. And she says... 
From waiting tables, she learned a lot about her own strengths and weaknesses and also developed a deep respect for the men and women who do this job and do it well. And consequently, she's a good tipper. So to your point, there's so many kind of drudgery jobs that we do in this in this world where it opens us and makes us more compassionate. But then we also recognize that there are some hustlers out there that just are the boss of the applesauce. Like they, they know how to basically spin plates and wheel and deal their way through. And you just got to tip your hat to them um, or leave them a decent tip, people. <laughs> tip, tip, tip your hat, but also tip. <laughs> just let's, let's, let's be very clear. Yeah. Not for hat tipping, but yeah. more for actual tipping, tipping, which I just found out. I know I'm late to the game. If you multiply the tax on your bill by two, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good starting point for a tip. That's, that's right. I just, learned that. I just learned that like literally two weeks ago. One I'm more looking- pro tip about the tip. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but um, another person had commented on that kind of community posting about, because the question again that was posed was, you know, what have you learned from a bad job? It was really, it hit home for me when this individual posted and they simply said, sometimes it's you and I that was just I mean it was humbling it was a little bit painful because I was like no it's never me right but it is it is I think you know that that being able to look internally and figuring out what part of this frustration what part of these challenges what part of this badness of this said job is the job and is it the foundation and environment that I'm working in and what is, what part is it my responsibility? And being able to just have that internal discussion and then figuring out ways to uh, move away from a it's all them and never me you know perspective. I don't know. What what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think that is a very mature realization that a lot of us come to. So, what would you say to somebody where the competency that they need to have for a particular job? They've got it for the most part, but there's like one area where they're just, they're just kind of tripping over themselves and they've realized like, it's not going to change. They can go through all the trainings. They can read all the books. They can try to bone up on their skills, but you know, it's, it's like, it's not an arrow that's in their quiver. So so in my experience, uh, you, you're going you're gonna to hear this a lot as, you, as people move into different industries. People can be coached up and people can be coached out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's realizing that if you've tried on your own to, to gain the, the skills or the experience or the education necessary to be successful in your role and it's just not clicking, there's, I mean, there's something to be said for this isn't the job for you. Right. But there's also something to be said for going to your, your, your supervisor, the person you report directly to, and being transparent and saying, look, this is where I want to be. This is who I want to be. And this is where I want to uh, take myself as a professional. Doing it on my own is not working. What can I do to get to a place that?" is acceptable. One thing I've found is that for hard workers and motivated individuals, their biggest critic is themselves. Sure, sure. And 
you know, they had those conversations with their leaders and their leaders were like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Mm. You are doing a phenomenal job. Right. It is for me and in my experience, it is individuals who have not had a real conversation with themselves who believe that they are in fact performing to the best of their ability and there's no room for improvement. Those are the ones that should they approach their leader and talk about how well they're doing, where those leaders start to identify areas. Well, you know, you can grow on this. You can, you can adjust with this. You can do a better job doing that. But I think that, that the comfort level, well, and not just comfort level, you have to have a leader that you can trust. Yeah. Because you don't want it to be a situation where you're self-reporting about your uh, incompetence for last <laughs> right. Last term. right, right. And then that then puts it on your leader's radar, which then serves as a uh, notice for um, removal, as it were. You know, California isn't is, is an at-will state, meaning no one, you're not here on contracts. So most of the time, individuals who are employed, you can be let go for any reason. Okay. You can also quit for no reason. So again, you have to be careful about navigating that, but the transparency and the comfort with admitting that you can't do it by yourself, I think is going to be the biggest tool for success in my experience. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm just going to pause here and download this file and CC it to Betsy DeVos, Ben Carson, and our fearless leader, Donald Trump. Uh, subject line will be uh, self-reporting slash self-awareness. Uh, <laughs> um, I was so confused where that was going. I was, I was like, oh, oh, you're going to send it to me now? Let me get my, my email. <laughs> What are, we, what are we exploring? But yes, you know, and, and I don't like. Oh my goodness! And I and I do want to hear your thoughts on this. But and I and I, we're not we're not here to focus on politics or any perspective per, per se. Right. But you know, one of the things that I realized as I've you know watched our administ the current administration uh, move, and regardless of my politics and what I view as the right way to do things, I really believe that I would be comfortable if I woke up. And all I saw was a single tweet that said, my bad. Right? So powerful. That's it. Two words. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's my it. bad. Like, I, was like, I was wrong. Yeah. I'm a dog. Yeah. Yep. And I think a majority of the individuals in these, this country, should a leader come out and say, hey, I messed up in these areas. This is where I think is a path to, to success and progress. What do you think? How can I be successful here on out? A lot of people would be willing to hear absolutely. that. Absolutely. So um, yeah. I absolutely agree with you. And I have, it has never been my experience where I went to a manager or I saw my own manager say, this is an area of weakness for me. Um, can I rely on you to help me in this area where I am weak? I've, I've never known an experience um, and I, and I, I've seen it happen recently where I, I respected my superior even more because she said, "Ugh, this is just not a strength of mine. And I admit I've not had enough time to research it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the coaching up and coaching out, I think is a perennial, there's perennial wisdom in it. And what cracks me up the most, I think is 
it kind of echoes what we're taught in preschool, which is shape up or ship out. Oh, did you ever get told that? Yeah. I, I, I did it. I did it. But then again, you know, I was homeschooled. So, you know, I'd yeah. So if you were shipping out, I mean, there's just no telling where you were shipping out to. Maybe, maybe the sandbox in the backyard. I mean, whew. yeah. You no, know, you know, you and I were talking earlier this week about toxic work environments versus challenging or stressful ones. I think that's something that, at least from a millennial perspective, as I fall into that category, it's something that we have to really address because on the one hand, we have this perception of we're supposed to go into a job and we're supposed to love all of our team members and our um, our bosses and our leaders are supposed to be nurturing mm. mentors who just encourage us and equip us and give us resources and they're flexible, letting us work from home when we yeah. need to, and they give us time off when we need it, and they are just present and available. There's this ridiculously hilarious clip, and, I, and I'm yeah. typing it up because it does live up to expectations. It's a YouTube video. I don't know what the exact title is, but it's called The Millennial. Oh, Institute. of course. Yeah. And it is so funny because, you know, you have... we. A lot of times, this is not generally the case, but there's a lot of times where you have individuals who come in and believe that their first job or even their 13th job is going to be their dream job. And because they have these high expectations, it's easy for them to be disappointed. I'm talking so easy from a manager just having a bad day you know, to the company downsizing and all of a sudden you're without a job. I had a scenario where I was working at an amazing place, had a great leader, like to this day, actually I'm shouting her out to the, to the top. Her name is Kathy. Holla, holla. Uh, Kathy, Kathy Hennessy is a seasoned. Camper salute. She, yeah, she, I, right. And um, I was working for her up in Chicago. I was hired for about three months. Two months into my employment, we got an announcement that, hey, our jobs were being outsourced. That that was that. There was no discussion. There was no real explanation. She was going to be having to transition into another organization because they were eliminating her role. And so for some people, someone would say, oh, you betrayed me. This is a a breach of trust, all these kind of things. But again, I think... I think that whole idea that was brought up during the, the community bo- uh, posting that, you know, sometimes it's us. Sometimes we need to adjust our expectations and, and, and realize that maybe maybe we're the toxin that is creating the toxic environment. It's, it's true. Um, and, and if it's so it might be it might not be something within our personality, but our expectation, as you say. And so referencing that hilarious millennial job interview where. It is such a bummer to learn that girlfriend is going to have to show up to the job before 10 a.m. <laughs> oh, you know, man. it's it's not it's nothing uh, run afoul in her personality, but just that that expectation that needs to be leveled that, yes, you've got to put in your dues before you are CEO and get to roll in in your fleece pajama pants uh, at any old yeah. time that you desire. It's, it's, it's reality leveling, right? Ooh. It's this idea that where we have expectations um, and as soon as we go into a new environment, we have to adjust them. But I don't know. I, I think that's that's something that 
you know, maybe we want to pose that question. How would you frame that sort of question to ask our listeners about, you know, the environments that they work? Well, um, um, and then, oh. and then secondly, I think to your point about leveling expectations, realizing that what might not be award winning is still going to fit the bill. Um, but we might strive toward the award winning. I think that that is a valuable, a valuable tool to put in your toolbox of kind of surviving workerdom. Yeah, some, I mean, surviving workerdom is something that, again, you know, I have a there's a there's a good uh, one of my coworkers. Uh, his name is Jeff Anderson. Um, great beer. Shout out Jeff. Jeff taught me something recently where. He says that anytime he gets into a new job, he gives himself three hmm. years. Um, year one is just learning the job. It doesn't matter that he's been in talent acquisition and recruitment and higher education for a ridiculously long time. I call him grandpa. But he said he gives himself the first year to learn how the company that he's working in does it their way. What is their way of doing Okay. The job? Year two is performing the job, simply performing, meeting the standards of that organization, meeting deadlines, goals, responsibilities, participating in conversations, but really just performing. Yeah. Year three is where he starts to introduce himself. Got it, got it. Where he starts to say, maybe, hey, have you thought about doing things this way? Hey boss, could I possibly work from home one day a week? Hey person, you know, this is a great process. I've been doing it this way in other places. Maybe we should try it out. So he gives himself those three years. And I think for me, that's a really great way to mitigate or limit disappointment. Right. Because yeah. if you're only focusing on learning the job as it is for that organization in year one, there's not that much time to dwell on what's not there. Exactly. Yep. When you place yourself in the position of a learner, you know, take yourself to school, um, ask everybody around you, what is it that you do that you love? What is it that you do that you've learned on this job? You know, you make yourself a student of other people. They love to blab about what they do. So you're obviously going to learn. So let me just, let me just um, kind of um, put that in the capsule summary and agree or disagree. This is what Mr. Anderson is saying. The year one is the learning, year two is the doing what you've learned, and year three is the maybe modifying what you are learning and doing for the better. Yeah, possibly improving. Possibly improving. I think that's fantastic. Of course, I want to make a a cute acronym out of this LDC. Don't take that LSD. Do the LDC. Then you'll see some real change. Okay. Okay. But Counselor Ife, some of us aren't patient. What do we do? Three years is a lot of time. Three years is a lot of time if you've only been somewhere for a week. Mm. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I have been in a job and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so painful. And then I go to sleep and I wake up and it's been nine mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. And then I wake up and it's been a year and a half. I think one of the for passing that time and not only focusing on passing time, but also improving yourself is 
focusing on improving yourself as a professional outside of the office as well. Okay. And I think this is where we're kind of going to lower the flag um, on everything that we've learned about bad jobs that are not so bad. And (laughs) I absolutely was enamored and I'm going to shout her out, Triana Ward. She's a teacher. She's a soon to be mama bear and she's my friend. She said, I don't get paid enough to take work home ever. If they want that to change, they can up my salary. So she, she's drawn the line in the sand, but um, if you aren't taking your work home to perseverate on over and over and over, you've got a lot of time to fill, right? And so Lost. why not get your splat points at Orange Theory or why not fly a kite? I mean, why not perfect your cheesecake recipe? There is so much more to living than just your job. So for you, what does that look like, Ife? What For you and your wife, Megan, what, what did the off hours look like? We've started to do a lot more just hanging out, to be honest. My, my wife, Megan, is a, she's a teacher. She teaches K through three special education. So when, when, it's, when it's home, she really wants to spend 30 minutes to 40 minutes just kind of decompressing and saying, this is everything that happened at work. Now I've talked about it. Let's watch The Office mm-hmm. for six hours straight. <laughs> um, but we decided that to be a little bit more productive with our time and self-development, where we started to take some Spanish um, lessons. Oh, nice. We want to, uh, to learn Spanish and then possibly use that as a uh, motivator to take a trip to Spain or Venezuela. Si, or si, else. senor. You know, so, you know, really focusing on that. For myself, uh, I've been really trying to do a lot of more personal research, again, on diversity and inclusion conversations. Really trying to figure out how to reshape the perception of millennials in the workplace. So I'm, 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 going, I'm leaving work and I'm getting back to work. Uh, mm-hmm. My job doesn't necessarily focus on that stuff, mm-hmm. and so I'm able to, you know, add my add knowledge to my uh, my library through through audiobooks, research, um, webinars, and, and and whatnot. But I'm also trying to think of something else to come up. I need to do something more physical. So we're trying to figure. I was playing tennis with a buddy for some time, and uh, he he left. So I need to figure out another physical activity. Um, outside of Orange Theory, so all right, all right. Up, suggestions, suggestions, suggestions. <laughs> uh, Counselor Ife will be at the tennis courts at uh, thirteen hundred hours. Uh, campers, please. Yes. One love. <laughs> uh, I too, uh, I deeply value hobbies, and I admire people who are extremely dedicated to them. Um, Right now, my life is, my time is pretty divided between being an unpaid Uber driver, ferrying my kids to all their (laughs) lessons. Um, But I do, with my hubs, I do love to listen to podcasts separately and then kind of connect with with each other about them. Like, can you believe that? Uh, Or, wow, I can't believe that. that that's a, a frequent exclamation. And then I cannot wait for the weather to turn so that the 22nd winter in Boston is over. Um, <laughs> and I can start my herb garden because, Oh me, Oh my, does that give me just a lot of pleasure and enjoyment. And to the, 
to your point about doing something physical, I mean, just getting that dirt under my fingernails, it's powerful, you know, getting away from the computer, um, just something kind of psychosomatic about that. That's just so delightful. You love you some herbs, some herbs. <laughs> yes, uh, fresh herbs, uh, preferably not the dried and smoked variety. Although <laughs> that is uh, that is legal in my state, but I, I do not partake. <laughs> Believe you me. I, I I will take your word for it. <laughs> All right, friend. Well, it has been a pleasure. We want to remind our campers that we are so thrilled to have their feedback and love to answer their questions either on the Facebooks, on the Twitters, or the email. And just to remind you all, here's how to reach us. Ife, will you, will you let us know how to find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Ipsmus1. Fun fact, that means master. I-P-S-I-M-U-S-1. Um, that's me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram posting nonsense at U-H underscore L-A underscore U-H underscore R-E-H. We'll be sure to put that in the, the show notes because you lost me at the at. <laughs> <laughs> And you can find me at Kendrespondence, uh, not the plural, but like the singular Kendrespondence. I'm embarrassingly easy to find everywhere. Um, but our email address for the show is hello at campcareer.com. And we look forward to your feedbacks, your questions, your queries, and your high praise for um especially for Ife and uh, his, his query for a tennis partner. Help a fella out. Yes, please. Yes, please. I'm all about it. Uh, what are we talking about next week? Next week on the, the job search itself. Okay. Um, exploring how to connect with recruiters, how to stand out as an applicant for a company where you might not have an in. I think it'll be a great conversation. Okay. I'm looking forward to it, Ife. Hey, campers, keep pitching those big dreams under your big old tent and keep building your... What, what are we building here? <laughs>